Welcome to episode 17 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Tuesday the 3rd of May 2022. I am your host, Jack Chambers, and my special guest for this week is Steve Payne, the marketing manager at Systrix. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hi, Jack. Nice uh, nice to be here in uh, Norwich. Yeah, welcome to Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Almost home country for me. Exactly, yeah. You're, you're a reasonably, like, you're an East Anglian boy. I'm an East for, Anglian person. For, yes. our, for our listeners out there, the international listeners, Steve is from Ipswich originally, which is fairly close to Norwich in, in the grand scheme of things. But there is certain uh, rivalries, shall we say, between our cities. Yeah, but we're not exactly <laughs> fans of what, <laughs> what, what we're rivaling about, are Thank, we? Thankfully, we're not diehard football fans, so there won't be any... Hopefully, there won't be any fights on this episode, any more than usual with me and Mark. <laughs> so, I'm sure you listeners have probably already heard us mention Cistrix a few times on this season. You have sponsored us for the entirety of season two, so thank you very much, first of all, Steve, for for getting in contact and organizing all that stuff. But just in case it is somebody's first episode of Search with Candor, what is Systrix? Who are you? Why are you here? Let's dive into it a little bit, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> let me give you a quick background on Systrix. We, we gather SERPs data at scale, and we've been doing that for 12 years. And what we try and do is analyze that data, uh, the SERPs values across 40 countries now uh, on a daily basis, turn that into domain-based information, evaluate the data, weight it all up, and come out with a visibility index, which is a kind of a FTSE value of the visibility of a domain within organic search. And that's the quick summary. It's the <laughs> that, elevator pitch. <laughs> that really is the elevator pitch, yeah. So visibility index is a Systrix-specific thing, right? That is your own metric. So I think if we've talked about it a couple of times on the show. Obviously, we went into the case study with Primark, which we'll be diving into a little bit more detail, because I know you're key in, that, in authoring that article yourself. So what makes Visibility Index interesting to people thinking about using Systrix? And people are coming to Systrix brand new. What is it about Visibility Index you think is interesting people working in SEO? Well, the first thing is it's an SEO indicator. It has nothing to do with traffic. What we've done is we, we take the traffic volumes, of course, but we average them out over the years. So what that means is we take out seasonal trends, event trends, weather trends, and all the other things that affect traffic that could be misleading uh, uh, metrics for, for SEO. So you can work on your Christmas SEO content in July, <laughs> see the visibility change, be confident that when the traffic comes in November, December, your job is done. I mean, effectively, you could bill, bill your customer in, in August <laughs> and, <laughs> and be happy that the traffic... So that's the number one thing. VI also gives you the ability to check relative foot sizes of footprint between multiple domains. Um, and we'll use Primark next, uh, later on as an example. The other thing is on a day-to-day -day basis, you can monitor changes. So if you see big changes, you can work out whether it was you, Google, your competitors, or, or uh, some other technical error. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into that as well. I know we were just talking before we started recording about Google updates, and, and you often see in newsletters that kind of like, oh, there's a possible update happened a couple of days ago. But I know you were kind of skeptical of that. And I am very skeptical myself. I know Mark and I go for the approach of we won't report that until it's confirmed by Google themselves, basically. And you see a lot of these different newsletters and not these different blogs being like, oh, the potential. There's been some volatility changes. There's some churning going on, all this kind of stuff. Um, and you came in with some opinions, should we yeah. say, Steve? <laughs> How do you feel about like people reporting potential updates that aren't confirmed yet? Well, num number one, it's a hot news topic. When, when there's a visibility index, uh, sorry, when there's a, uh, an algorithm change, 
If you're early on with information, a lot of people are interested. So it's a news item. It's attractive to be sending out that sort of information. You get your tweet featured on Search Absolutely. Engine Roundtable or whatever it is. If, you, if you're in contact with Barry, you yep. can send him information. <laughs> and, you know, you'll get, you know, if you're, into, if you're into marketing yourself through Twitter and stuff like that, it's an advantage for you. So it drives a little bit of, uh, what's the expression, overzealousness with, uh, with the basic information that's out there. The forums play a part as well. There's a lot of people in forums that are watching traffic levels. They're watching Google Analytics. And you know what? You know, if, if, if the weather changes drastically within 24 hours, probably your search traffic is going to change drastically <laughs> within 24 hours. If a major celebrity does something, uh, if um, someone punches someone on stage in, in an awards ceremony. God, for, God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there's a national event, if it's a seasonal thing, if it's Valentine's, if it's Mother's Day. All those things need to be taken into account. We've just had a bank holiday in, in the UK yesterday. So, you know, if you're managing UK website out of UK and you didn't realize it was bank holiday, you go, you're like, what happened to the traffic yesterday? <laughs> oh, it must be a Google algorithm. Like, they panic. So, yeah, we have to take all that into consideration. And when we're looking at the visibility index, we, we try and um, think about the difference between churn and visibility. I mean... The major uh, thing we need to be worried about is things dropping in and coming out of page one search results. Movement within page one of search results is, is also extremely interesting, but it's not, it's, not a, a, um, it's, it's not something we should really be throwing our hands in the air about uh, because you know, it may not be a core update change. It could be one of those small changes that come along has just affected your SERP and affects your traffic. <laughs> so many different ways that, that that can affect your traffic. So, yeah, we get some good data at Systrix, and we very rarely, in fact, I think in the last four years, we've identified about four potential updates that haven't been announced by Google, mm. big enough to really show on the radar. Well, let's dive into your role at Systrix. Let's talk about Systrix a little bit more as a company. So what's your background? How did you, how did you come to work at Systrix and, and where you are now as marketing manager? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, the history goes back to the 80s. I, I actually worked on uh, the, one of the first search engines, which was Archie, which was pre-web. Nice. Uh, I worked for British Telecom in Martlesham. In oh, so we were actually, I was actually part of the development team for British Telecom of five people that were working <laughs> on the, we were called the Internetworking Group. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and I remember telling my mother, I said, I'm not sure about this. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't she know about says, this internet. I don't know about Mom, this internet convinced. stuff. Well, we were connecting governments and educational establishments, uh, setting up the first two megabit links over to the States. We, I installed one of the first, I infor, installed the first router at the first cyber cafe in London. Wow. Um, That's a claim to fame right there, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really <laughs> in early and, and I followed it. I've done a lot of things from... Uh, network design from international uh, routing design all the way through to running my own websites and i was a blogger for 10 years tech blogger breaking news basically working with a big community actually a bit similar to the seo world where it's a lovely little community of people that help each other out mm. going to events we're all helping each other exchanging information including in gadget um, and, and even some of the newspapers uh, jack Schofield at the guardian who's no longer uh, there and yeah, I'm no longer with us actually, I think, Jack, if I remember rightly. God bless him. Yeah, so there's a lot of similarity to the CSE world, SEO world today. And what happened after that though is it got very commercial mm. and um, there wasn't so much of that. That sort of community bit 
went away. My, I wasn't a, a commercial blogger. I was a blogger in it for, for, for the love of it. I was head down writing. I wasn't doing SEO. I was breaking news, therefore getting links. But one of the things I failed to do was SEO. The site really dropped away over the last sort of three years to the point where I was like, okay, I need to do something else now. I went and did media production. I had set up a media production company for a few years. And then an opportunity came up in my hometown of Bonn uh, with Systrix, uh, SEO, com SEO data company. I went for it and got it. And as a country manager, <laughs> I've been there uh, for four years and I'm absolutely fascinated by the data. I can't call myself an SEO. You guys are SEOs. You guys <laughs> do that 40% of the job, which is basically customer management, customer interpretation, customer reporting. I don't do any of that, which is <laughs> it's kind of nice just, just to have the data. We're actually in reporting week as we speak at Canda. So when we finish this conversation, I'll be diving off to write client reports and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the blogging scene was a little bit like the SEO scene. It was very community oriented, very helpful, very, very good. And I would say that uh, the commercialization of SEO will will affect this community aspect of, of SEO, yeah. I think. We've talked about that recently, talking about how Google are changing the services they're offering, now expanding to like CDNs and stuff like that as well, and how much all relying on the just everything is Google. Basically, our lives are run by Google. It's your phone is Android. My the entire industry is basically how to rank in Google. Nobody pays attention to Bing. Bless them. Bing are doing really <laughs> cool, interesting stuff, and they can kind of get away with doing. In they can test and do interesting stuff like Index Now, for example. Yep. could be absolutely huge in Google, and we've touched on it a couple of times in the season already. But like, I think you're right that commercialism and all that kind of stuff is definitely going to be growing in the SEO industry. We know how much these channels are worth now. You know, yeah. we look at Next. So they, they report their results. You can easily work out the value of the channel. It is highly commercial. And um, let's not forget, it's not just one search engine. You know, 50% of product searches start on Amazon. Yep. We've got to think about the metaverse. When products are sold in the metaverse, yeah. how are people going to find them? How are they going to search for them? So there's a, a lot of search platforms, YouTube, TikTok, hashtags on Instagram, that we need to think about. And all these little channels add up. It's so complex now. The amount of funnels coming in to potential conversion to sale is, is incredible now. And um, we mustn't forget that. There are other, other platforms out there doing well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys have Systrix for Amazon specifically as well. We've just um, launched that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll dive into that in a second as well. And I attended a talk at Brighton SEO that talks specifically about optimizing products and, and building your product kind of catalog and things like that for Amazon. It's something I never really considered. I've never worked in e-commerce directly myself, so I'd never really thought about like, oh yeah, of course, it's a completely different process. It is a whole search engine in and of itself, and it's one of the world's biggest websites. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. I presented to Amazon last week an internal uh, event for um, affiliates, mm. uh, or associates as they call them, and they were talking about SEO, and I, was like, oh, and I had to basically switch into Amazon mode. Of course, they're talking about SEO in Amazon, yeah. where... To be honest, there's not a lot of transparency from Amazon about the what Google do in 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 the Google search world is way more than Amazon does in in the Amazon search world. We don't get Amazon algorithm updates or yeah. anything like that. There's, there have been like <laughs> one or two in the last ten years that people know about, but um, you know, there's 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 ads all over the place. There's no you know, okay, we'll only do up to four ads uh, above above the organics, or these are the boxes that are going to come in. No, it's it's Wild West. It in really, Amazon. yeah. I was talking to my partner the other day because after I went for that talk for Brighton SEO, I was kind of going through that with her. She knows nothing about SEO. She She's a nurse, completely outside of the kind of the tech and SEO kind of world. And I was like, 
you know, people just like keyword stuff all the time on Amazon. Just like, what do you mean? Like, read this product description. It was just like the same three oh. words repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And it's on Prime. It's like a, an official sold by Amazon EU type thing. I was like, how did this get through? Is there a vetting process? Like, how is this allowed? <laughs> and we're talking about like Google doing the spam reports and constantly catching all this spam. They claim more than 99% of spam and hacked results are filtered out of SERPs through Google. It really does seem like the Wild West with Amazon. From, for me, from an SEO perspective, going in and now looking at it with a kind of search engine perspective, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is just chaos and like things that haven't been, you know, functional or basically allowed in good practice in Google in like 10 years. People are still doing all over the place on Amazon. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we've, um, we've got a relatively calm environment in Google over the last uh, 10 to 15 years people have reverse engineered what's going on with information from Google with data Google themselves have set rules it's so much easier in in the Google world than it is in in the Amazon world and um, we mustn't forget that there's highly highly commercial there when there there are the definition of commercial it's much. a definition <laughs> of commercial uh, search yeah yeah so how did you approach that with Bringing Citrix to another search engine such as Amazon, what was the what was the thought behind that from your team and you guys thinking we now need to offer these services to people who are working in for one better phrase SEO for Amazon? Yeah, well, um, and it's not just Amazon by the way. We're collecting YouTube data, TikTok data, Instagram data. Uh, the idea is to use the skills we've we've built over the last fifteen years in creating a, a visibility index for Amazon. So we'll do that for products, for brands, uh, and for sellers, including Amazon. So it'll bring a bit of transparency to not only who's winning and losing, but um, how things how, the, how things are changing. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting data. We worked with Frankfurt University on on some stuff to work out whether Amazon is doing naughty things. <laughs> they weren't able to prove that. Interestingly, <laughs> so Amazon kind of seems to be doing a very good job at working at the limit of what they're allowed mm. to do. So yeah, we need to bring transparency to to this Amazon platform. The more data we get, the more we'll learn. We'll be able to people will be able to do their own reverse engineering, uh, do more testing, work out uh, which competitors are winning, and I think. Our product is probably going to be more interesting for brand managers. So your Nike brand manager wants to know uh, what products are selling on Amazon, what the, the price uh, changes are, who's the best at selling them, uh, and whether Amazon uh, are doing better than other people. You can find your influencers on there as well, your influencer brands, sorry, your influencer resellers. So there's a whole, and to be honest, there's more data in there than we, we know about yet. We, know, we don't know how to get the great KPIs out of that data yet. <laughs> We'll get there eventually. We'll get there. Yeah. And with the help of people using the, the tool and giving us feedback, um, that will develop as, as the SEO data did over time. Excellent. So how has data changed in the, you said, four years you worked for Systrix? How much, I guess, has, has your job changed over that period and how much has what you're seeing from the data changed over that period? Because as we know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the industry and SEO or PPC stuff changes quickly. <laughs> and as we're saying, Amazon kind of now being re recognized as a search engine, for want of a better phrase. So many things change constantly. What have kind of been the biggest surprises for you going from, like you said, from your tech blogging background and stuff, now, for want of a better phrase, being an insider on some of the data and stuff like that. What have been some kind of the, the biggest surprises in your career so far at Systrix? That's a really, really difficult question. I wish you'd asked me about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, While just... I was on the train. <laughs> I mean, you can take it from another number of angles. If we look at the top 100 sites, they're pretty much the same as they were four years ago. Mm -hmm. Amazon's number one, sorry, Wikipedia's number one, Amazon's number two. 
Google is the virtual number one, given all the space they take up with their with their own features. So in that respect, not a lot has changed in the, in the scene. So there's new competitors coming in. So in the fashion industry, people like Pretty Little Thing are doing are being very flexible about the way they do business. Um, that's I think that's changed a lot. So a lot of new companies have been able to come in and be very uh, quick at adapting to yeah. what's needed. I do think that happens a lot. Like you said, Pretty Little Thing is a good example. Seeing the kind of they went straight to like influencer marketing, and you're kind of going straight with that modern approach rather than a brand that's been around for 50 years and they're oh, just getting into the digital marketing space or however that kind of approach that they're going for compared to a company that basically starts on Instagram or starts on TikTok. You already have that kind of, I say advantage, but that, that foot in the door from a digital perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I th- even five years ago, we were talking about, um, you know, how brand is a, is a big feature of, uh, of successful content. There's three things that really stand out when we do when we look at successful content. Number one is the, the brand value, so this magnetism that clearly helps in, in the SERP. And then that, the amount of good content, if you just throw out a bunch of good content, some of it's going to stick. And then we get these, these sort of high-performance SEO-focused content uh, silos, of which there are hundreds out there. We're now able to identify some of those, but that's one of the things that's changed in the data recently. I've just had a new set of data given to me showing me some of the highest performing content silos uh, in the UK search. And there's some amazing examples in there. There's some obvious examples like, okay, UK government own the information on divorce. There's no one else really can say, <laughs> don't, don't go into doing SEO for divorce. Uh, UK government own that space. Yeah. You're not going to get in there. And then we have, you know, obviously people that own their own brands and stuff, but I'm seeing some really interesting stuff. I saw a shredding company in the UK that's just absolutely completely owned a sector of that search. There's no one else in there. They're, everything they produced in terms of content, well, actually, I can give you a figure, 83% of their URLs uh, rank for keywords in page one. Wow. That's amazing. That's an impressive stat. And there's nothing special about the website. Yeah. It's just that they've got everything right. It's what we call a high-performance content format, and I'm going to work on trying to expose and, and share some of this mm-hmm. stuff over time in, in Cistrix over the following months. With the new data journalism team, which uh, we kicked off uh, in December, to try and bring into the community some, some some free data and that sort of stuff. As far as changes, no, I don't think there's been a massive amount of change. It's not, certainly not unexpected that Google has optimized over the last <laughs> four years, surely. So let's touch on the data journalism team. How has that been integrating? I know we've talked about people like Nicole Scott, Luce Rawlings, uh, Lily Ray, people we've covered in Index Watch and Trend Watch we've covered here on the show. How has that been for you, kind of working with those guys and bringing in, as you said, giving SEOs access to that data more directly and really experience fantastic SEOs at that and bringing you know, people who have decades of experience in, across the team? How has that been for you? And, and do you think that's a, a very positive kind of move for Citrix as well? Absolutely. I'm really, really happy with, with what's happening with the data journalism team. The people that are joining us, the, the, these um, freelancers and, and agency workers and in-house workers that have the day-to-day expertise, have a different view about how to use SEO data as well, which is not incorrect at all. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a view that I need to take into consideration, you know, <laughs> uh, especially when we're developing the product. Um, Lily and Lucy, Lucy, sorry, and Charlie have done some amazing output. And I want to ramp that up, um, speaking to another potential journalist that's going to join us. And I think that the, the key is data journalism. We're going to set some standards here. We're going to use quality data and we're going to make sure we get great output from it. I don't want to have a series of sort of random internal blog posts, which 
have been actually fantastic in the past. Uh, some of our case <laughs> studies, I don't want to have a really ordered uh, set of things like sector watch, trend watch, mm. index watch that people can rely on every month and just go, all right, what happened in March? Okay, let's look at trend watch. Let's look at index watch. Let's quality stuff and I think uh, you know having a data journalism team is, 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 is the way to go yeah we found it really interesting like you said we, we launched and started partnering with you around about the same time so it was really cool to get access to that data and we get little by the way listeners we get little sneak peeks previews from Steve ahead of time which is very nice as well and it's fascinating seeing things like octopus I'm like what could affect octopus turns out Billie Eilish's hair affects octopus I'm like what <laughs> I would never have thought about that it's weird little fascinating things like that I really enjoy the, when it comes to things like trend the trend stuff is amazing it's <laughs> it's so eye-opening um the squishmallow one yeah the axolotl squishmallow which ended up being called miss vi that was the name of that really soft toy it was called miss so I had to buy it <laughs> We had to get it shipped in from New York. It cost me an arm and a leg, but I had to get that shipped in. Um, and if we can one day start to correlate, start to find relationships between data across countries and data across products, so Amazon, if we start to link Amazon and Google data, trend data, and then across countries as well. So, okay, we've identified six months ago these number of trends in the US market, trending on Google, trending on Amazon, not currently trending in Germany, but just started to pick up in the UK. It's like, okay, that's a business opportunity. Mm, yeah. That's really valuable data. So I'll work with, with the journalists and try to, and, and the data engineers at Systrix to try and get more of that data out. <laughs> I know Mark described it as basically getting like, the, especially the sector watch I know Charlie has been covering. We talked about like, it's an insider scoop into a sector, like for free, essentially. You're looking at, you're getting that delivered straight to your inbox and if you're in that sector, it's a little gold mine of like, oh, what are people up to? Here's the little trends. Yeah. Here's little things to dive into. It was fascinating kind of getting that, uh, having access to that data, you know, without having to do loads of research. You've got the data journalism team there who, like we said, are incredibly experienced people in their fields. So you have them kind of doing free work for you, essentially, if you're working in that sector yeah. and you're, think you're focusing on trends or, you know, keeping an eye on competitors, the data is there ready for you. It's, it's really, really handy stuff. Absolutely. So let's dive into Systrix itself, shall we? What are some of your favorite features? What would do you think are the kind of key selling points of why people should be using Systrix if they're working in SEO? Well, number one is the, the VI, the, the, the index that takes out that search volume. It's a great KPI for comparing yourself with competitors and movements over time. We have the archive of 12 years as well, which is great data for due diligence. If you're an agency going into a job, you can take a look at the historical data, the directory breakdown. You can go into the site, work out what they've been doing, whether it's, you know, uh, e-commerce contents of do intent or whether there's a content strategy there with a no intent, uh, whether it's just their job pages ranking and there's nothing going on in terms of SEO in at all. And so that's really interesting. We've used that old data for going through, you know, or what you've been up to over the last two years, five years, 10 years, be able to get that at like a proposal stage for a new client if you're working in an agency or if you're a freelancer. It's really, really handy to just get, like you said, that kind of snapshot of, oh, they seem to have a strategy. Oh, they clearly have this yeah. approach to it. And maybe that's why it's not working or why it is working, but maybe they need to pivot in this direction or something like that. It's a really handy way just at a glance in that kind of early stage of working with the site to get a, a glimpse into that kind of intent and strategy. Yeah. And international as well. I mean, there's date, there's historical data there. I mean, we're, we're number one for historical data in, in Europe, and there's no one else with as much SERP data, the depth, mm. the mobile and desktop data that we have, and the historical data that we have. Uh, there's no one with that, that sort of data um, in at all. So that's really interesting. 
Um, my the thing I'm really excited about though is is content strategies and how to help um, agencies in house and and, and and independents do an internet end to end content strategy, uh, including writing briefs and sending those out to potential uh, writers authors in, in in as quick a process as possible. Last year, for the first time, we managed to do an end to end process without having to export data into uh, spreadsheets to try and find content silos and reorganize all the data by hand. Uh, and this year, we're going to add another feature which is going to save more time as well. So this end-to-end, in-tool content uh, from, from idea to brief writing, from for small scale to large scale, based on data that works in, in Google. So we're taking what Google says effectively, mm-hmm. uh, taking the organic uh, results, and uh, we can, we, we're going to get some, some really nice stuff going on with content. I mean, let's face it, we were talking about, um, Wix is a good example of building in technical SEO from day one when you build your website. You can, you can probably jump into that tool and have fair, a fair amount of confidence that most of, most of the technical stuff is, yeah. is working, and we, which means even if it's not working, the, the data, the information's out there about how you set up, especially when it's on WordPress. So the value of, uh, of technical SEO is, is going uh, down. Uh, the value of content needs to then rise. Um, that's the, that's the, going to be the area where people are going to be fighting in the future, and it's going to be all about content silos. And you know what people like Lily Ray talk about: proving your expertise. And yes. um, we talk about EAT a lot on the show, and obviously Marcus had Lily Ray on the show previously as well. So yeah, I will link to that in the show notes, listeners, if you do go and check out Lily's previous appearance on the show. Yeah, that um, proving that expertise. I, I cannot. I cannot. Uh, say it more strongly, if you haven't got expertise, Google will find out. <laughs> <laughs> they are not stupid. <laughs> the signals are there. <laughs> Apart from that, we've got, um, we've worked on uh, our, our link uh, engines. We've also worked on our content engines as well. So it's another set of engines that we have that go out and find content that works well in SEO and on social as well. So it gives you a good starting point for content, um, content styles and stuff that works. Mm. Combine that with the data from the, you know, your, your keyword uh, research uh, processes and you get a really great starting point for a brief writer. So almost a one button, right? Here are the keywords, here are the questions. Um, these are five sub articles you need to write. And by the way, here's 20 examples of performing content. Click out. <laughs> that easy, ladies and gentlemen. Click out measure. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of keyword research, that's something you covered in Sisterix Academy. Yes. I know people might recognize your voice from Sisterix Academy since you are the, uh, the lead trainer of the two courses that are on there at the moment. How's that process been for you? Have you have you enjoyed being on camera, first of all? Uh, well, there's only a small <laughs> bit on camera, but I can tell you doing the voiceovers is, is, is hard work. Yeah. Um, the way we do it is our founder, Johannes Beuys, he creates the initial academy in German, and then we'll replicate that with local examples in other languages. We're doing it for, for Italy as well. And that's quite a difficult job, finding those examples. It takes a lot of time, but what you end up with is a really nice process that works with Systrix and with other tools as well. So we, we make sure that we, we show you how to do it manually. Mm. We'll show you how to do it manually and then we'll show you how to do it, to, how you can save time by using a tool. 
<laughs> there's the sales pitch. <laughs> and we want to we want to continue with the academy. There's, there's, there's quite a few academies out there. I know people like uh, Blue Array have yeah, done great yeah, work. Yeah, I like Blue Array uh, well. with their academy. So there's a ton of content out there. We need to make sure that it's just not copy, that it's going to bring someone uh, some some benefit. So we're going to be careful about you know what what academies we create and how we create them. But it's yeah, it's an important thing. From academies, we'll also bring out tutorials as well, and we use the academy as the sort of primary content source and then from that we'll extract uh, mini tutorials i think over time as well so it's a nice process nice. links for that as always listeners in the show notes if you do want to go and check out sistrix academy so let's dive into primark shall we primark i we, heard we, you we, talking about that last week we, we've covered it a couple of, i did quote you directly from the message you sent me <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those of you who don't know we have covered the recent change and update and migration in primark's website and controversially they've gone very informational it is essentially for all intents and purposes an e-commerce site you can't buy anything on yeah which is fascinating and i think is is that why you kind of picked it as such an interesting case study i'm, I'm guessing that was kind of a what are they thinking how is this going to work how is google going to react to this all that kind of stuff because that's very much how we've handled it reading through your article and and having a look at it from from our perspective so it is a, a fascinating example. There's two. There's there's one. There's one leading domain on the high street, and that's Next, who are well, they're about seventy five times the visibility that Primark do in organic search. Wow. So you've got the best case and almost the worst case there. However, um, the, the, you know there may be good reasons why Primark is doing this, and they've talked about this before. And if you know about logistics and return rates and cost of uh, turning around a return. And then you understand that Primark is selling a pair of shoes for a tenner. It's not difficult to work out that return rate as it is and the cost of turn, turning around return is going to cut, is going to basically wipe out the profit margin. So what they're trying to do, obviously, is get people into the shops. I also think, I also think, and I don't, I've never had this confirmed, Primark, are, they have, they're anchors to a lot of shopping malls, mm. to a lot of high streets. I reckon... There's a lot of shopping mall owners that would not like Primark to be selling online. They need Primark to bring feet into shopping malls. That's fair. Yeah. I bet you there's a, a yeah. if I was a shopping mall owner and Primark had 20 uh, anchor stores, I'd be like, Primark, please, please do not do e-commerce <laughs> because that's the end of us. We will give you reduced. Now, I'm not saying this happens. This is just something that goes through my mind every time I think of a shopping mall or a high street. If Primark were to do online and the footfall was to, to get lost, um, there were pe people losing uh, losing jobs and there'll be companies uh, failing. Yeah, I mean, Primark here in Norwich is a prime example of that, no pun intended, where it's right in the middle of the primary high street. It is, you've got an access on both sides, on both high streets, arguably, where there's a little kind of side road. It, you can get in the back there as well, so it's covered on two entrances and it is, funnily enough, opposite next, ironically enough. Oh, really? Ne wow. Opposite next, in front of a McDonald's. And it's if you're walking on that high street, it is unmissable. That oh, is yeah. Very and much that like... high street is planned like that for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Let, so the status of Primark is relaunched the website in the UK. Um, they've made it uh, They're still non-transactional. They stated in their annual report that they wanted to be uh, giving customers more information. Now, what I see is that uh, it's ending up still being a fan, fan site. Everything they rank for is, is Primark-related, is Primark-branded, and there's very little. We talked about the fluffy socks. I think that was the one, the one <laughs> keyword they rank for uh, in page one that has any sort of significant search volume. Um, 
And that's not good enough. <laughs> that's not good <laughs> enough. They need to be doing better than that. To put that into perspective of the non-UK people out there who are not quite, maybe not aware of what Primark is, it is one of the biggest high street shops in the UK from a brand perspective. Like Everybody knows what Primark is, what they sell, which is kind of everything at this point. <laughs> I was surprised to see they're now doing like Avengers stationery and stuff like that. They've really branched out. I always think of it as kind of cheap clothes and some homeware stuff. But they're now doing, you can buy phone chargers and selfie sticks and all kinds of stuff. Home that, stuff, yeah. 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 In Cornwall, I heard yesterday, I spoke to a friend in Cornwall, they're actually offering uh, wetsuits in Cornwall now. <laughs> Cheap wetsuits. He said it's a nightmare, basically. You buy, would you rely on a £10 wetsuit? Exactly. And <laughs> it's pretty bad how many people are going to throw away wetsuits after the season and finding out that it doesn't really work. For Mark's people, an experienced Primark. diver. We'll check in with him later on, see if, we, <laughs> see if he'd buy, ever buy a wetsuit from Primark. <laughs> so we're watching the data carefully on this one and the signals are at the moment is that they've lost they've lost a bit of visibility clearly they have more seo work to do they'll be working on redirects they'll be working on internal linking um so things can change and it will take about google about three months to really work everything out i'm sure it's a massive website um if google starts to see signals that say okay maybe it's worth pushing this up in the serps might see some testing you know getting the um Big big search terms uh, appearing in, in in page one, and if the response is good from from you know, searchers, then then maybe they'll stay there. But this, you know, with next seventy five times as more visible, H and M, which is also a fast fashion mm. shop, I think uh, I can't remember the numbers now. Something like thirty percent. Uh, sorry, three times more visible, maybe even more than that. There's a lot of competition out there. There's not a lot of space for them. There's only ten links in there, so <laughs> 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 ten blue links. Uh, and if you're not getting enough, you're not going to get in there. Yeah, it's. I think it's a really interesting case. I can't think of a a brand this big that has done something that kind of goes against all of the obvious things you yeah. do for your brand, right? If you're going from, like I said, a nationally known company like Primark to build a website that is everything but e-commerce apart from the add to basket button. Yeah. And to see how search engines react to that. Because I think it, the, the intent is so key there. People... I have done it myself. I have gone to Primark and assumed I had was able to buy stuff online years ago. Made that mistake and we were like, what on earth? It is an expectation, isn't it? Yeah. Any new customers going there, or potential new customers, are going to get shocked, aren't they? Yeah. And I wonder, because they're going for this, like like I said, everything but the add to cart button is there. So are people going to be frantically clicking around? Oh, have I gone wrong? Like The users, I think, could potentially get confused there. Is that then a negative sign in the eyes of search engines? Will they will they see a negative effect on that from you know long term results in Google? I'm fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very I, intrigued to see that going against kind of typical e commerce advice. How is that going to affect them? In I should also mention another example that failed many years ago to get the logistics right was Tesco, mm -hmm. Tesco Direct, which was going to be the Argos competitor and the Amazon competitor. Uh, they stated that they couldn't get logistics, uh, the, the efficiency of logistics right. So, you know, they were struggling as well. And they were working on, you know, high margin goods, higher margin goods as well, and more expensive goods mm -hmm. where, okay, even the mar if the margin is low, it's going to cover that, you know, five to 10 pound uh, return cost. And, and, and the other thing is Primark still have opportunities. So click and collect, they don't do, they could do. They've got their back end sorted out now such that they could... Um, uh, for example, this new availability SERP uh, that I saw last week, the organic SERP that has a Google Map 
uh, image in it that says it's available here. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Whether yeah. that is a, a positive single for the organic result, I don't know. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then that, that's going to be something Primark are going to be focusing on, right? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect for Primark. Store finders, availability, yeah. stock availability, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Definitely. I want this. It's Friday afternoon. I want this. Is it in my high street for when I go out tonight? Yeah. Great. I'll go down there and get it. That's perfect. And then if you're talking about, you know, home goods and, and more high value goods, then maybe there's a, a possibility for them to test it with high value goods uh, and do it that way. But um, at the moment, it's still it's still a fan site. So let's talk about some upcoming stuff from Systrix. Let's wrap up with some some ideas for the future. See what you see, what you can and can't you, say. No, this is where you <laughs> this is where I ask you, isn't it? What do you need? What? And I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to say, Jack, what do you need? What do you think uh, what do is I needed need? in the data? And I can take uh, that away and then we can, we can help you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking how interesting the content stuff sounds. You know, you said getting outside of the kind of search volume side of things. I don't know. Mark has talked about this extensively with also asks and his recent Brighton SEO talk. Not everything needs search volume attached to it. Um, would you think of looking at things like kind of what Answer the Public do with the autocompletes and the uh, what also Ask does with the PAA data. Is that something Systrix is interested in in looking into from, from the kind of content perspective and looking at longer tail stuff, zero search volume stuff, for want a better phrase? Yep. Now we've got, uh, we've got actually a free tool, keyword, reach, uh, keyword research free tool, which is quite interesting, actually. There's some, a little bit more data in it than actually in the toolkit, uh, which people should check it out, slash free minus tools, um, where we go into the PAA segment, we go into breaking out relationships, uh, not just lexical relationships, but relationships within the SERPs results. So we call it the SERPs environment. What other keywords are these URLs ranking for uh, in, that, are in the, that are in the top 10? Yeah, we've got we've got all the PAA data, and one of the things we're working on now is to optimize that content uh, process, as I mentioned, and there'll be that data in there as well. So yes, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about um, for you, um, Amazon data? Do you, how many of your customers are thinking about that now? I mean, I presume you've got customers that are doing e-commerce. Are they talking about uh, using? Amazon. Now, bearing in mind that you can do Prime from your own website now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how's that going to play into it? Yeah. So a couple, a couple of my clients are e-commerce clients here at Canada. Um, I don't know. I've talked to one of them specifically who works in kind of like um, first aid and medical and all that kind of stuff. Very much talking about working with them into Amazon and stuff. Like, like I said, I was kind of looking into it a few weeks ago after this talk. I was kind of inspired. I was like, hmm, that actually might work quite well. So yeah, I think that is definitely something. I don't know, like I said, a lot of SEOs need to have that little switch in their brain of like, oh yeah, that is a search engine. And like you said, when Amazon people talk about SEO, they talk about, in for one of a phrase, their internal stuff. It's on Amazon. Yeah. And yeah, I think, is there anything Amazon doesn't offer these days? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that one, that was a complex one for me though. You know, when it's your product that is going to be sold via Prime on your own website, so you need to be doing Google SEO, not Amazon SEO, to promote your product so yeah. it's, it's amazon products coming to oh, it's a complex one yeah definitely if, if, i guess if you're offering both that's a whole other you got to think about targeting both amazon and google and how they vary and would you change like optimize particular product descriptions to display on only one but not the other and 
Different, different horses for different courses. Could Google <laughs> and Amazon look at each other's data and start to, to learn from that as well and Ooh. work out what's really working. And that's when the truly when the corporations take over. Oh, <laughs> Amazon and Google start working oh, together. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm off into the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back next week on Monday, the 16th of May. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a lovely week.